Harper. But first, let's kick it off with back to school this afternoon. B.C. government getting set to announce its big back to school plan. Let's check in with the official opposition education critic now, Dan Davies. He's the liberal uh, MLA in Peace River North. I'm very pleased to welcome him to the show. Dan, thanks a lot for coming on. Hey, good morning, Mike. Okay, what are you watching for this afternoon in this announcement? Well, looking for some sort of certainty. Uh, You know, initially the uh, ministry had come out with a date of August 20th for a back-to-school plan, what it might look like in September. Of course, you know, we we looked at it like, my goodness, you know, that's, you know, a week or so before school starts. Uh, Not acceptable. Uh, Parents, you know, are looking for some sort of certainty as they put their kids back uh, into school. So we we pressured the minister, and I'm sure that he also received many phone calls from parents and teachers across the province, and we got the date moved up to today. So we are very much looking forward to hearing what the minister has to uh, uh, say this afternoon. And as a parent of uh, two two school-aged children that are in in school, and as a former school teacher, uh, I'll certainly be looking closely at uh, what the minister has to say. And like I say, all we're looking for is some clarity. Uh, You know, there's a lot of anxiety uh, around... Well, around the last number of months that uh, every British Columbian has been facing, but yeah. especially those with school children and trying to make plans for, you know, go back to work, uh, daycare. You know, what do all these things look like? And we asked Katrina Chen yesterday, the minister responsible for daycare, and, you know, because that's going to be a big component. Like, what does that look like? And her response was, well, we're monitoring the situation. Well, what else are they supposed to do, though, when you got rising COVID-19 numbers climbing back up again? And, you know, Horgan said the other day that, okay, we're going to lay out a plan here for back to school, but parents should have a backup plan or a plan B just in case the whole thing goes off the rails if we if we see a surge in COVID-19 cases. I mean, is that is that just stating reality or do you think that that just puts more uncertainty into the mix? Well, no. And, you know, British Columbians have been very flexible. I mean, we've had no choice. And, and you know, that's what we're all living right now. Um, you know, so we're, we're looking, obviously, for <clears throat> for best, excuse me, sorry, uh, for best guesses for what September might look like. Uh, yeah. You know, again, we, we know concrete plans are going to change. Uh, we're a little taken back, though, uh, you know, the premier saying, you know, it's up to you to plan for plan B. We look to our government for leadership, uh, you know, direction. And, you know, that's what we're looking for. That's what uh, parents and, 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 and teachers are well, looking what, for. Is what leadership? Sort of certainty. Okay, what sort of certainty do you want to see then? Like, let's say the, the COVID-19 cases continue to rise here in the days ahead. What, what do you want to see from government? Do you want to see them have a backup plan to keep the schools shut down? Well, exactly. We we don't we we need to have you know uh, our classrooms going to be you know a couple. Of weeks. What are the PPE requirements going to be, or, or are yeah. there going to be PPE requirements? Um, Do you think there should you know, be we, like I talked to the president of the teachers union the other day, and she said that she does not think wearing masks, wearing face masks, should be mandatory in schools. Maybe some people think they they should be, but she she also said that. It, it should be available to everybody in the school yeah. system who wants one. Every teacher, every support staff, every kid who wants a mask, there should be masks available in schools. Do you agree? You know, I, I certainly don't disagree with that. And the, the BCTF, <clears throat> you know, talked to uh, teachers uh, right after the June trial. And, uh, you know, half the teachers uh, are worried about the access to PPP. And, you know, we've been writing the ministry. I wrote the minister uh, a letter uh, a month and a bit ago. Uh, making sure that the ministry has in place a plan to cover this. It's not uh, fair to teachers. 
it's not fair to school districts who are already managing tight budgets uh, to, to have to worry about all these extra costs, uh, whether we're talking masks uh, right down to washing stations. Many classrooms yeah. don't even have sinks and, and you know, right. for, for students to, to have a, a hygiene uh, in place. So there, there's a lot of questions uh, that, that need to be answered. Uh, you know, uh, a plan A, you know, uh, and a plan B, we, we need those. Parents need some sort of certainty. Uh, they need some sort of clarity as they move forward okay. uh, in, in looking at this. Okay, I'm speaking to liberal education critic Dan Davies. Let me play you this clip here. This is uh, an interview from earlier in this week on the show. I spoke to Paul Farrow. He is the president of the QP Union in British Columbia. They represent, um, among other workers, uh, school support workers, education assistants, and, and very notably janitors and custodial staff in schools who uh, suddenly have a very important role in keeping schools clean uh, during this pandemic, and he said he's worried about that. Here's what he told me. I have made it crystal clear to the provincial government that they need to put more resources, more money into custodians. Uh, over the years, there have been cuts to custodians going from daytime custodians to, to the evenings. They need to, and we're working with those, having those conversations, they need to find ways of putting more daytime custodians to do that enhanced cleaning. But it's going to take money. And the provincial government needs to find more money for custodial services right across uh, every school district in British Columbia. Okay, that's uh, Paul Farrow, president of the union representing school support workers, calling for more money for cleaning staff in, in schools. Uh, liberal education critic Dan Davies, your thoughts? Well, ab- absolutely. And, and you know, there, there's no questions that, uh, that there is going to be more money uh, that that's going to be needed. Uh, you know, the cleaning, uh, the cleaning component of that is 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 going to be absolutely key. We've seen that uh, right across the board in all other industries. Uh, you know, number one uh, priority, Mike, is is safety of our children and safety yeah. of those folks that are working in these schools. So, uh, you know, a, a, a cleaning regime is obviously going to look different. Uh, you know, there is going to be a requirement to have uh, uh, more folks and, and more resources put toward that. Uh, like I say, we're, you, we're sure hoping that we get to hear, you know, some of these details today. Last question for you. Do you think parents should have the option to keep their kids at home? Because we, we've heard from the education minister that he expects uh, 100% capacity for schools. He wants all kids back in school. Let's say you're a parent and you're worried about your kid going back to school. There was a recent opinion poll that said 40% of parents in Canada are worried about their kids going back to school in the fall. Do you think parents should have the option to keep their kids at home and continue distance learning? Well, you know, at the end of the day, that is a parent's, uh, you know, choice. And, and I think that's important to, uh, to maintain. So they that. should be allowed, you should be allowed to keep your kid at home. Is that what you're saying? Well, there are options. We have IDL. Uh, unfortunately, you know, the government just cut $12 million from the, uh, IDL budget. Uh, but there are other options out there. And I, and I, I've had parents reach out to me that are looking at, uh, you know, uh, homeschooling right now. So uh, there's going to be options. Uh, okay. You know, children are going to receive education. Uh, you know, uh, many of them will be in the classroom. I know that some people are looking at uh, doing homeschool. A lot of it, though, looks like, you know, what is, what is it going to look like in September? You know, okay. and, and, you know, none of us really know that, but we're hoping to have some clarity so that parents can, you know, take a little bit of that burden right. off of the shoulders that they're feeling right now. Thanks for coming on. Right on, Mike. Have a great day. All right, welcome back. Let's talk about drinking alcohol in Vancouver Municipal Parks. Now, the Vancouver Park Board uh, voted earlier this week to allow alcohol consumption in 22 parks around the city in designated areas. Now, before you start cracking open a cold wobbly pop, though, just be aware that, uh, as usual, 
there's some complications here as well. They've got some bureaucracy going on. Uh, you know, it's not easier said than done to allow people to have a beer in a park. Let's check in with George Affleck now, former Vancouver City Councilor. Uh, you can read his stuff everywhere. Um, the Unspun Podcast, of course, the Orca, the Daily Hive. George, thanks for coming on. Uh, thanks for having me. Okay, what do you think about this decision to allow drinking in parks? Good idea? Uh, well, I've always been supportive of it, especially during the pandemic, which prioritized it for a lot of people, saying, you know, we need to get out. We, we're allowed to socialize outside, so can we loosen up the regulations or at least permit it uh, while we're going through this whole pandemic nightmare? Uh, every other city across the region immediately did that pretty much, uh, except for Vancouver, the city and the park board, have been shuff- you know, shuffling along and you know, delay this and vote that and create yeah. bureaucracy and blah, blah, blah. By the time they're <laughs> finished, the pandemic will be over. So oh, it's, I it's hope insane. so. That'd be nice. Yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, it does seem to take a long time, particularly with this park board. They just seem to be notorious here for making simple things difficult. But uh, the decision was to allow uh, alcohol consumption in 22 parks and designated areas. But so what, what's up with this delay now? They need the provincial government to, to weigh in on it. What's happening there? Well, it's very confusing. And the current yeah. attorney general and the previous attorney general, uh, Suzanne Anton, who is, who is the one who actually led the changes to the, the regulations across the province, empowering municipalities to make their decision on, on drinking in public places, uh, had both said, no, 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 the park board kind of falls within the municipal charters and, and the Vancouver charter. Uh, they don't need to come to Nassau. They both said that publicly. Their staff have said that. Yet the park board itself seems obsessed with going through a process and requesting a bylaw change, which both the attorney generals, previous and current, have said, you don't really need to. So uh, it's a bit confusing because I think the whole point of this, there's a creating drinking zones across the city permanently has more potential damage-causing effects than saying, you know what, let's just chill out. Let's have, if you want to have a beer in a park, go for it for now while we're going through this nightmare. And then after that, you know, we'll see what, what happens. And, and, uh, but instead, they've created this whole problem with 22 sites that will be party zones. Yeah, you make it sound so simple. But, you know, it does seem to be simply done in other jurisdictions, like Port Coquitlam seems to have got it done pretty efficiently. Other jurisdictions have got it done, and the the sky hasn't fallen. So I don't know why it always seems to be so complicated here. The the board has said the the commissioners also approved a pilot project to allow uh, park concessions to sell booze. So they'll be able to sell beer, cider, and coolers. Yeah, that's, they're looking... that's John Cooper who brought that in and added that to the to the motion, and really, that's a really important decision. And that I can see how that would take longer because now you're competing yeah. against the private sector. Uh, you're creating, you know, this, you know, alcohol and sales. I think it's obviously something people want. Um, so that, but I can see how that falls under a different regulation than uh, than the public consumption, which is regulated by the cities themselves. And that's why other cities were able to move faster. The Park Board uses this uh, lovely concept called the abundance of caution uh, in why they've decided to go this route. Uh, that's always says to me, red tape and bureaucracy. Uh, it's yeah. like, okay, you know what? Just calm down and just chill out and let us, let us just have a relaxing time in your parks. People are doing it anyways. Have you gone well, yeah. to a park lately? It's, it's just like we're all doing it anyways. I had a beer at Jericho the other night with my kids. They were there. You know, we we're all sitting around having Ooh, a picnic. Breaking the law. Breaking the I, law. I, I told my daughter, <laughs> film me if I get arrested. I want. I want this. I'm, I'm, I want this recorded. Okay. Speaking of George Affleck, yeah. I mean, sometimes I wonder with this thing, 
like what is the problem they're trying to solve here anyway because i think people have been having a cold one in the park for for decades anyhow i mean i'm the same as you i mean i was at a park uh last week with my family and i had a little bit of wine in a, in a plastic cup it's not yep. a big deal the guy the guy next to the group next to me a little ways away i, I saw one guy had a beer nobody yep. was freaking out nobody was fighting <laughs> no I mean, this has just been going on forever. So why do we even need to do this? I mean, why does the government have to get involved? I mean, sometimes you put the government in charge of something as a good way to screw something up. Like, isn't it working oh, fine now? 100%. That's yeah. definitely a way to screw things up and get government too involved. In things. Yeah. yeah like, no, and the, I think what is the we, problem? Like, what's the problem well, they're trying to solve yeah. here? If you have troublemakers, we have regulations about that. You, if you have a bunch of people getting in fights and screaming and yelling and having a party... Well, that's a problem, and that can be taken care of through other bylaws and regulations that we have and laws. Uh, so I, I don't understand what the problem is. There's a lot of people who say, oh, well, alcohol, you know, it's, a, it's, it's not good to encourage it and all that stuff. Okay, it's fine. But, you know, it's, it's really just a matter of saying it's, it's something that we need right now. You have people in Vancouver who live in highly dense neighborhoods where they don't have balconies. A lot of people, they just they can't have their friends over, so they're going to parks and having picnics and doing this as we have summer. And now this decision by the park board and these 22 sites probably won't be happening until next summer. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's just really a, a joke. This park board in general is just insane. Yeah, and, like we need clear. a drink. We need a drink now. Like, you know, forget <laughs> next summer. I mean, people are people need a drink now. But, you know, people are going to continue to have a, a you know, a, a discreet drink in a park anyway, just like they've been doing forever. So no matter what the government says, but. You know, this I, I don't even think they're, they're not even being discreet anymore. I think people are, are flaunting drinking now, saying, come and get me, like I was saying. Huh. And that's kind of how I'm feeling. You know, this is ridiculous. Come and get me. I think uh, there was a, a post last week, four, three ATVs cruising along Jericho and pouring out people's alcohol all along Jericho. And, and meanwhile, we have a park over in Strathcona with over 300 tents. Uh, yeah. Can we talk about priorities here, Park Board? What is going on? This Park Board is making the whole park board concept uh, uh, something that's worth talking about at the next election and saying, you know what, maybe we shouldn't have an elected park board because these guys have become so politically focused and charged and, and have lost the, the basic concept of what the mandate is, except for basically John Cooper and, and, uh, and Trish. They, they, they both have the MPA to, 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 their, to their, you know, to their credit, well, have been very focused on the main issues that park board is supposed to take care of. All right, welcome back to the show. Let's talk about the countdown is on now for the latest NASA mission to the Red Planet. Tomorrow morning, NASA getting set to send another rover to Mars. This is a souped-up rover. This is a very, very cool. The rover is called Perseverance. It's a six-wheeled NASA rover about the size of an SUV blasting off tomorrow morning for a seven-month journey to the planet Mars. They are going to a very cool part of Mars called Jezero Crater. And get this, they are also bringing along a miniature helicopter that is going to fly around over the surface of Mars. This is incredible. So I love this stuff, and that's why I always love bringing on my next guest, one of my favorite guests, Brian Odom from NASA headquarters. He is a NASA historian, and I'm very pleased to welcome him back to the show. Hi, Brian. 
Hey, Mike, how are you? I'm doing great. I, I always love talking to you because I just kind of get to geek out on this <laughs> stuff, and I'm really excited about this uh, this Mars mission. I'm fascinated by it. So let's talk a little bit about this mission, uh, the Perseverance rover getting set to launch tomorrow. How is it looking for the launch tomorrow, uh, Brian? Is the weather looking good? Hey, Mike. Yeah, thanks for having me on again. And yes, it's looking great right now. It's a you know uh, we can never tell what the weather is going to do in Florida, obviously. Uh, and you know we're always going to kind of stay ahead of the game and make sure we're not doing anything risky. But as of right now, it looks really good. It's about a eighty percent chance uh, that things will be great. A little little showers possible, but hey, it looks it looks fantastic for a NASA launch. Okay, an amazingly powerful rocket to uh, to get this uh, this vehicle to to Mars, the Atlas V rocket, right? This thing is this thing is a very powerful rocket. Oh, you got it, man. That Atlas V, it's it's you know the the, the thing about these uh, rovers and all of this, they're very heavy payloads, and you got to go a long way, so you need a, need a lot of energy. So an Atlas V really gives you that that pop that you need to get to break uh, free of the Earth's gravity well and get where you need as quickly as possible and yeah, the Atlas uh, United Launch Alliance has, de- you know, developed and kind of put that in place for us. So that is a beautiful launch vehicle. Yeah, okay, and it's getting set to blast off very early tomorrow morning. And how long will it take to get to Mars? Seven months to get to Mars, right? Yeah, looking at a landing on Mars, uh, everything goes right. They, they get it down to the down to the minute there. It looks like February 18th of uh, next year. It's going to all be set for that for that seven minutes of a uh, very intense uh, process there. <laughs> yeah, that's what they call the seven minutes of terror, right? This is when the, the vehicle, the, the spaceship, uh, is uh, descending through the Martian atmosphere and then landing on the surface, and it's all done automatically, right? Like, it has to, it's all done by computer independently on the vehicle itself, correct? You got it, Mike, because, yeah. you know, it takes 14 minutes to get a signal back and forth, you know, to from Earth or from Mars back to Earth. So you got to program these things. And that's why it's, you know, seven minutes of terror, because it takes seven minutes to get from the top of the atmosphere to the surface. you got to go from 13,000 miles per hour down to zero miles per hour in an incredibly sequenced choreographed process that involves, you know, First off, this 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 parachute deployment. We're actually just entering it, you know, injecting itself into the atmosphere, slowing down, kind of like the Apollo uh, command, uh, you know, Apollo capsule entering Earth's atmosphere again. Right. Uh, problem is with with Mars is that the atmosphere is there, so you have to deal with it. But it's not exactly enough of an atmosphere to give you the cushion you need to do something impressive. So yeah, you know, to, yeah, to, thin, to get it very thin atmosphere. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I may, I, I'm just astonished at, at what uh, what the scientists there at NASA are able to accomplish. I, I'm just blown away about, blown away by it. What is the um, the purpose of this uh, and the goal of this mission? Yeah, uh, like all the missions that have come before this, you know, this mission is, is a mission of discovery. Uh, you know, Curiosity was an amazing, is still an amazing program that's telling us a lot about that that Martian environment. But, uh, you know, Perseverance is, is a little bit, uh, you know, like I said, it's similar to Curiosity, but it's uh, got having some incredibly unique equipment with it. You know, just a couple of things just to mention, you know, the cameras that it's taking with us will give us views of, of, of the surface like we've never seen before. They, you know, it's kind of a sensory experience. So they're taking microphones so we can hear the sounds. And, and the, all these cameras and microphones are going to be during that seven minutes of terror. So we can kind of hear what that might sound like. But, you know, from, a, from, you know, what's the purpose of the mission? The mission is we know now that Mars was a habitable planet at one time in its history. Now we're going to find out if it, in fact, was inhabited 
Uh, so we're going to go to this Jezra crater. Uh, it's a beautiful site. It's uh, you know an ancient lake bed that was you know just a perfect site for uh, these microbes to have developed and to kind of preserve their left their traces there. Uh, it has an incredibly diverse mineralogy. So you know it's, it, so the purpose of the mission obviously is that is a mission of discovery. It's going to tell us a lot about you know Mars's geology, what its climate was and is today. Because again, what's the why I go to Mars? We're you know. As part of the Artemis program, we're going to send human beings to the moon. We're going to learn right. lessons there. But eventually, we're going to go to Mars, right? And that's going to happen in the 2030s. So perseverance is going to tell us some incredibly important things. And it's going to you know, lay the foundation for humanity to, to, to move off and, uh, and to move on to Mars. Right. And it's going to collect some rock samples, as I understand it, that may be able to be returned to Earth later, which, which is fascinating. How are they going to do that? That's exactly right. As it's going along, collecting its, you know, drilling its core samples, pulling up, looking for water underneath the surface, looking for all this incredible, uh, these incredible minerals. It's going to pull little core samples and it's going to kind of toss them aside, right? And it's going to mark those where they were. And hopefully by the time we get to around the, the 20, you know, the later 2020s, uh, we'll be able to send another mission to there to retrieve those samples and return them to Earth because Really, that's the only way you can really find out, you know, what, what, what it is that you're dealing with. I mean, you can learn a lot from the rover in, in situ on site, but, but really you need to get those things back to a lab, just as we did with the Apollo moon rocks. I mean, that's the, that's right. the perfect way to think of it. Yeah, that's amazing. So that would be the first time they would actually get some rock samples back from Mars, back to Earth, if all goes according to plan, which, which is incredible, and, and the search for uh, life, signs of life on uh, past life, perhaps, on, on the planet Mars. It's all fascinating to me. Brian Odom is my guest from NASA. He is a NASA historian talking about the launch tomorrow of another rover going to Mars, the, the Perseverance rover. How did this coronavirus pandemic I- impact this mission? Uh, I know that it, it threw a wrench into the works, right? Was there ever any a danger? It's amazing they're still able to pull this thing off with this pandemic going on. Was there ever any danger of this, this whole thing being scrubbed because of the pandemic? I- you know, there wasn't a, there was never a time that it was going to be scrubbed, but you're right. Uh, like all, you know, people across the world, NASA has been, you know, responding to this, this virus that's been just a, you know, just had a huge impact on the world. And I think the, the rover itself was aptly named before this, you know, Perseverance. You know, and that kind of signifies the, you know, what the workforce did, you know. So Mars, back when it was Mars 2020, you know, and it's just, it, it, you couldn't have found a better name for it. So, yeah, it, it, it did have an impact on just how we went about our business and how we thought about risk, right? Because, you know, now it wasn't, a, it wasn't so much the, 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 the focus wasn't on just losing a, on a, losing a mission, but it was on losing human life. So you had to deal with, yeah. with all of that at one time and, and staying safe. And, in fact, there's a nice little thing. If you uh, look it up, there's a, a plate that was kind of uh, bolted to the side of Perseverance, that's uh, that, that's you know COVID nineteen and uh, just kind of in recognition of of that. So you know it's a neat little thing to check out if you get a chance. Yeah, yeah, I did take a look at that last night. There will there's a plaque uh, on the side of the rover that will honor uh, first responders and healthcare workers and the response around the world uh, to the COVID nineteen pandemic. So that is very cool. And by the way, this is like an international mission. You know, like. Um, NASA, of course, the lead agency here, but they've got countries around the world that have been helping on this mission. There's a Canadian Canadian scientist on this mission, so there is a Canadian component to this, which which I think is very cool. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how this uh, launch goes tomorrow morning. What about this helicopter, Brian? You got to tell me about this helicopter <laughs> they're bringing up there. What's that about? 
Yeah, it's not enough. You know, it's kind of like with the with the Apollo program. It wasn't enough to go to the moon. We had to take a car with us. Now we're getting, yeah. we're sending a rover to to Mars, but with a helicopter ingenuity, uh, and that is just you know it's so far out. When you think of you know where we were with the Wright brothers at the beginning of the 20th century, and now where we are, where we're sending a helicopter to to another planet, and you know with that thin atmosphere, it it takes on a, a whole other level of complexity to make that. Uh, do what you need it to do. You have to have a high intensity uh, of power that has to be distributed to get it off the ground. But that little helicopter is a test. It's uh, it's an experiment it, in itself. But in the future, this might be uh, a very helpful thing to do. Think about dr- the use of drones in America today uh, or yeah. in the, across the world today. And, and, you know, this helicopter will be just that. Kind of will help scout missions. It will scout locations for rovers to go where they don't, you know, lose a lot of time and and so just in the future, something like this working in tandem will be incredibly important. Yeah, and, and as you mentioned, a lot of it is not only a search for signs of life on Mars, but also in preparation for human beings actually traveling to Mars and landing on the surface of Mars one day in the future, perhaps in the 2030s. And this is a crucial mission, it's sort of paving the way for that. And um, I know they're going to be doing things like some experiments on how to create oxygen there. They've got some instruments on board so they can generate oxygen on the surface of Mars to help sustain human life. So that's super, super uh, um, exciting. When do you think human beings will will go to Mars? When when is that scheduled to happen? Yeah, as part of the Artemis program, you know, our first step is, like I said, to go to the moon uh, by 2024 and and to to go there and, and begin the process of learning these hard lessons. And by the next, de- the following decade in the 2030s, you know, actually take humanity uh, and step foot on another planet. I, and I can't imagine, you know, the, you know, the, we think back to the moon landing and how important that was to, to that generation and, and to, you know, the, what, what we can accomplish when we work together. As you said, internationally, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's going to be incredible. And we're going to need everybody because the missions that China obviously just sent a rover to Mars as well that will be uh, landing at the same time in February of 2021. United wow. Arab Emirates just sent a you know a, a probe there that's going to look at the atmosphere. So you know this is you know this is a mission of humanity without question. Brian, good luck with the launch tomorrow. Thank you very much for coming on today. Hey, thank you so much. I enjoyed it as always.